0: All right. Welcome to Peak Pros Podcast number—I want to say eight, maybe we're at nine right now. But we've got Mr. Paul Bauer here. Um, he's one of the premier manual physical therapists here on the shoreline, and um, he has a lot of accolades. But one of them is the functional biomechanics um, certification out of the Gray Institute, mm-hmm. and then um, orthopedic clinical certification mm-hmm. or special specialization. And several others. So I'm going to leave it to Paul and uh, let him introduce himself a little bit further, and then we're going to get started and chat a little bit. So welcome. Thank you. I appreciate
1: the opportunity to be here and talk. I always love talking shop, so yeah. um, You know, this would this would be a fun time, I think, to, to do that. And, Absolutely. You know, I appreciate the introduction, and yeah, you know, when I started my career in PT, um, there were a lot of subspecialties that you could go into, like manual therapy or the mm-hmm. McKenzie model, and and each one had its own series of courses, and there wasn't really an evidence-based best practice yet. You know, it was all these splinter tracks that you could go along. And right, right. I had some really great experiences early working with really skilled PTs, especially manual therapists. So I had my eyes open to this specialization area. And nice. so I started just pursuing those things one at a time, even before graduating, honestly. And uh, over the, the first five, ten years of my career just accumulated all of these alphabet letters to go after my name and certifications in these subsets of PT. Yeah. I think some of the DPT programs now do a little better job of of integrating and teaching some best practices and pulling some of that information together into one model. But, um, yeah, actually I still see value in learning entirely the the different approaches that are out there. And so, uh, yeah, I, I pursued those things early on in my career. and then. Went on for orthopedic clinical specialization through the American Board of PT Specialties and just felt like it was important to put some credential behind that. And, yeah. Um, so uh, that's where I started off my career into all of that con-ed focus and really uh, did as much as I could to, to gain those knowledge bases and gain those skill sets.
0: Yeah, it's so fun. I mean, like, I've got a list right now. I'm like, all right, I want to go with PRI. i got to finish the dry kneeling, make sure that that's, you know, lock that in. and. Yeah. There's, you know, the Baral Institute, there's just so much out there and I'm excited, you know, one of the things I've always loved about PT was that there's a million avenues you can yeah. go and that's even before you just specialize in manual therapy. Right. I mean, you could decide one day, I'm going to be a neuro- ner- neurologist, you know, working neuro yeah. or, you know, well, you you can yeah. be afforded the uh, potential to do home care if you wanted to do that, you know, yeah. go live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming for a while, you know, yeah. so. But yeah, like it's just so exciting to know that even within manual therapy Mm -hmm. there's so many great areas that you can go in. Yeah, and I
1: think there's you know, it's probably a good parallel to just medicine and medical knowledge development where you have a pulmonologist, you have a cardiologist, Mm you have an orthopedist, you have an infectious disease specialist and these guys all have such tremendous knowledge in their area, but there are other areas of medicine that you know, they do every day. Right, right. Their knowledge base and skills. And yeah. I think PT is is getting there too in that we have so much depth of knowledge in different areas that we all will find ourselves specializing in different areas of physical therapy yep. with the knowledge bases that are out there and uh, then as a result bring to our patient populations different skill sets. Just right. Like the medical community brings different skill sets to their patients and uh, I think PT is probably going to wind up in a similar situation where, you it, it can't, as a PT, know everything that's out there about no. all different types of PT. Right, right. Uh, just like you can't in medicine, and uh, you know, I think in PTs, as we clarify some of that uh, definition, we can do a better job of categorizing where it is that we are and what we're, what our practice is, and how that differentiates from others, and and then make some some professional referrals back and forth, and that sort of thing. Right, right.
0: Now, so, so from the beginning, you loved manual therapy, like you okay. all along, you were going to go into manual. Yeah,
1: yeah that started, um, you know, re- I started getting interested in PT in high school, and I was volunteering okay. in a clinic right in high school, yep. and I knew it was a career for me, I wanted to do something in medicine, mm-hmm. I liked the conservative nature of PT, the ability mm-hmm. to fix things without drugs and surgery it was appealing, yep. and uh, so I was interested right away, and started off in high school doing some observation. And then, when I was an undergrad at UConn, that was, I had probably one of the most formative experiences in that I took a work-study job with a manual therapist who was um, osteopathically trained in manual therapy.
0: Okay.
1: And I had an interest in manual therapy, and so he started teaching me, literally as a freshman and sophomore in college. That's awesome. Before I was even accepted into the PT program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Facet joint biomechanics, and joint dysfunction, hypertonicity, and... Uh, you know, first observationally and and kind of informatively and then in a hands-on way look at this,
0: feel this. Yeah, and that's what you need. And then that's what makes you a good clinician.
1: Right through undergrad, you know, uh, had that experience with him and uh, he taught me just an enormous amount, but really opened my eyes to that advanced practice manual therapy model.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Continued on with him through grad school, so I spent basically five years or six years learning from this guy. That's phenomenal. Between 10 and 40 hours a week, depending on the, on the week. So That's awesome.
0: Um, now, was he associated with UConn
1: or...? He was. He was a PT in uh, Student Health Services yeah. there in the, in the infirmary. And uh-huh. So, uh, I'm pretty sure he was a UConn grad himself. And uh, unlike me, with the nine million letters, this guy just pursued all of this information and knowledge To help his patients and to help the profession as a whole, he would he would take some students through here and there, but mostly he was just dedicated to his craft and was just an incredible, incredible mentor and teacher. Yeah. So that was one of the more formative experiences that I had for sure.
0: Okay, and at what point did you see yourself, like you know what I'm gonna open up a practice, um, you know? At this point, you already have five PTs working for you, I mean, you're, you know, you're the guy in town, like there's no, no doubt that people know about you, I've heard so many people say, oh yeah, I used to see Paul Bauer, or this or that. <laughs> yeah. um, at what point did you make that decision?
1: Um, it wasn't so much a uh, singular event, it was something I always thought about doing, something I always wanted to do. And, um, I was working as a PT for 10 years before making that leap into private practice. Um, I had worked for medium sized companies. Um, I worked for a really big company before I went out on my own. Um, one of the final pushes, if you might call it that, was some of that big corporate medicine trend that we've seen in healthcare mm-hmm. uh, really came into the company that I was working for. And um, it, it had been a pretty decentralized place with a lot of focus on continuing education. I learned a tremendous amount there. It was really a patient-first organization to begin with. Um, But then as some of that, uh, you know, there's buyouts and there's mergers and these things happen, Mm -hmm. and I saw firsthand some of that more corporate medicine side of things. Yeah. And uh, knew that really a patient-focused private practice could have a role in in treating patients and uh, could probably do it effectively and efficiently from a finance standpoint without such overhead. and. Uh, having learned what I did from the different companies that I worked for from a business management standpoint, felt like, well, oh, give it a shot. I think <laughs> <know. laughs> I just figured out, but you know, you never know until, yeah, you, until you give it a, a shot. And thankfully, it, it's going well so far. Yeah, <laughs>
0: even despite COVID. <laughs> yeah,
1: even despite COVID, we are we're okay from now. So yeah. yeah, it's going well.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's crazy because um, I've had a. Somewhat of a circuitous route, but the bottom line is, never went to business school. Um, You know, now, now when I think about it, like looking back, I mean, I was, I had a little lawn mowing thing at twelve. I I was a tennis pro for like, I mean, I've taught tennis for over twelve years, but I actually was like taking over the club down in Northern Virginia for a few years. So my sister says, yeah, you've got it. You've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. But the funny thing is that for me. The big thing was when I was working down in Greenwich, um, I got a taste of sixty-minute treatment sessions, uh-huh. and I also was—I saw that you could be a, an out-of-network practice and be successful. Yep. And I said, I wonder if I could do this, and and they kept pushing you to, to market yourself, and you know, it was mm-hmm. you worked for this company, but yet you were trying to reach out to people and, yep. and going out to the community, giving talks and lectures, and right. So on a much smaller scale, I decided to go off and do it myself, and I'm, I'm pretty psyched as well. Yeah, um, I think that's,
1: that's an important lesson to learn there for private practice. I, I would encourage anybody to go into private practice, but one thing that you pointed out there was that, for the moment anyway, healthcare is still provider-driven. Yeah. When people go to seek healthcare of some kind, they're typically seeking a provider. They're not usually seeking the company name. As right. Much. Right. And so, I think if you have a good skill set, if you have a good knowledge base, if you have a good product, for lack of a better word, in taking care of patients and training right. patients, um, you can do well, and you know your your services will will speak for themselves, and, and the patients you help will speak for you. Yeah. The, the patients that you end up impacting they become, by far, your biggest asset for networking and marketing and yeah and getting the name out there. So, yeah, uh, I think healthcare for now is still provider driven, so, yeah. um, you know, and then it goes back to that idea of can you be a great provider, and, and everybody should have that goal, and you shouldn't be shy to have this goal of trying to be the best that you can, and, mm-hmm. uh, realizing you'll never know it all, number one, but um, your goal should be to just be the best healthcare provider you can, be the best PT you can, help as many people as you can. So,
0: exactly, and
1: that still motivates us in the clinic. Kind of yeah, no, that's itself. what
0: that's what I. It's you got to be thirsty, and you got to be. Yeah. You can't get complacent. Right, and um, I think as a business owner, sometimes it's easy to get wrapped up in either. You know everything behind the scenes, or or the numbers, or things like that. But the the truth is, at the end of the day, it's about the patients, and it's about like figuring out the you know how to get them better. And you if you always fall back on what you learned seven years ago or twelve years ago, like those techniques are still effective, but you might you're not going to be treating quite as well. You know you've got to get your continuing education. You've got to be practicing and um, educating each other and. You know, I think some people might even wonder why why are we working together here and talking. But yeah. I think like the truth is there's enough patience for everyone. And, mm-hmm. you know, Paul actually helped me, you know, several months ago I had something in my mid upper back area and there's no question that he helped me incredibly well. And having having someone you know, the joke is always like who's who do you go to? You know, <laughs> who does a good PT go to? Right. And uh Paul is lucky enough to have a few guys right there who might help him in his own clinic. I don't have anybody here, so yeah. um, so you know, there's there's plenty of patients, but you you need to surround yourself with good providers, yeah. right?
1: And and collaboration like this across companies is uh, is essential and it should be done. Yeah, it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be done. Um, Like you said, unfortunately, there are plenty of patients for everybody. I know, yeah. People who have injuries and illness and disease that need treatment. So, yeah. um, And like I said earlier, you can't be an expert in everything, and you're going to serve your patients better if you say, you know, I can do this, this, and this for you, but you know, I think you would benefit from this other treatment. I'm going to send you over here for a few visits. Check back with me in a month. I'll be how you're doing. Exactly. Um, You know, that's. That's the way PT care should be, should be delivered. I think we should be, and we are, moving away from that prescriptive PT model mm-hmm. where your PT is an episode of six visits or eight visits, you go, you're discharged, you're done. Right. I think patients uh, are starting to learn that just like they have a primary care doctor, they have an eye doctor, they have a dentist, they have a PT, we should have you know people in there they need their And stable of yeah. healthcare providers that they go see for the right conditions. and Yeah. Um, we fit into that medical model very well, that's our role, but, and we take care of those neuromusculoskeletal issues that come up, and uh, in that regard, then, if you have a relationship with the PT, and the PT says, well, you know, you can try this guy for a month, and he does this, this, and this, come back, check with me, come to that, well, you better, great, and see you next time something goes wrong. And, and you just have to establish those relationships with patients and treat them over the lifespan, and right. not over just that particular injury.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, so moving, you know, we talked about a little bit of the education base. I know you had mentioned the residency program that you guys yeah. are starting up at your place. Talk a little bit more about what you guys are doing over there. So because of that, that specialization and that need
1: for advanced training and advanced skill sets, early on it became apparent to me that, myself included, when you graduate from PT school, you get your doctorate, you start practicing, you really still only know a fraction of the clinical knowledge that you should know. Um, And so you need to develop at that time. And a lot of PTs will pursue continuing education to do that. We felt that there should be some structure to that. The APTA has talked about residency and fellowship in PT, again, paralleling that medical model. I think Mm -hmm. it's a great idea. And so we, right away started an internal residency program where I put together a series of courses that I thought all new PTs needed to have. Mm-hmm. It included manual therapy certification, it included some McKenzie courses, it included biomechanics courses, and then it was supplemented by training that I would do with the therapists in the clinic. Mm-hmm. That's a two-year residency that we would do with all of our new hires. And so it set a framework where, as a new PT, your job is to learn, your job is to treat patients, um, but. Really, those are hand in hand scenarios. It's not just to churn out numbers and you know right. drive up profits. Your, yeah. your job as a new PT is to learn and yeah. to take care of patients. So we put a residency program in place in our in our clinic uh, right away, and we tweaked it with each new resident we brought through. These were new hires who, who we brought in to go through the program. Um, they've all stayed with us uh, at this point. Uh, but to put even more formality to it, we recently partnered with Sacred Heart University. Have, they have an orthopedic residency program that they run for their postdoctoral students right there on campus. Um, but their, their model and ours blend together well because they can provide the academic mm-hmm. classes the residents to take. They can provide an opportunity for the residents to teach in the PT program, the DPT program. And then we provide the clinical experience to train them clinically and mentor and, and provide additional education with a hands-on, you know, experience in the clinic. That's awesome. So it's now a combined program. We still have our internal model. We have one resident doing that now. She's a, a year one resident in our internal residency program. We have a year two senior resident from the Saviour Heart program with us now. Um, and that's something that I'm interested in continuing further. We're putting together our own curriculum now to submit to the APTA, to be a, a certified residency program on our own. Um, and our residents are helping us write that curriculum now and, and go through that. So super cool.
0: Yeah, super great growth. So how do you find time for all this? you got four <laughs> kids, you're treating, I don't know, how many, how many uh, hours yeah, do you still, work in the clinic treating?
1: I still treat about 40 hours. Yeah. Woo! You know, I try to schedule, you know, I put it in the books as 36 or, or something, but it always grows to oh, yeah. 40. Yeah, 30. quick.
0: Um, My back is out. I still don't know what that <laughs> means, but it means they need to get on your schedule today or tomorrow. Oh,
1: I like, yeah, I can see you. Yeah, um, Yeah, it really comes down to, uh, I guess, time management and, and prioritization. Number one still is the family, the kids. We yep. have four kids. and. Um, I go to the school plays, and I coach the basketball team, and I uh, do those things, and That's awesome. would not give that up for the world. And, mm-hmm. uh, we hang out on the weekends, and, and we watch movies, and you know, we, we do the family thing first and foremost. Yeah. But kids go to bed, and apparently I don't need too much
0: sleep, so I can do some... <laughs> I was going to say, sleep <laughs> management uh, is the other part to uh, to it yeah,
1: all. Yeah, that part of it uh, sometimes suffers, but yeah... Um, Yeah, I have a good staff actually. You know, my the the people who work with me for me uh, in the office there, uh, I I am really lucky there. We we have a great group, not only of PTs but my front office staff. So yeah, um, they they help a lot. in, uh, I would say just running the office smoothly. Everybody knows what needs to be done. Everybody chips in. everybody touches in. So building a, a team, I think, is essential, because if you're, uh, you know, I, I read somewhere that you know, if your staff needs motivation and if they need, they need to be driven to, to perform, then you have the wrong staff. Like, right. You need people in there who, they know what needs to be done, they're self-motivated, they're self-starters, they want to get the job done, and, and we are so fortunate in that regard that as we keep growing and adding staff, we keep pull, pulling in the right people, and, and we get lucky there because there's no Wait. way I could do those things without. You
0: know, and, uh, yeah. As well as a
1: extremely supportive wife. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> so, it's all a team. I mean, yeah. it's a team here, it's a team there. It's it's working together, and yeah. and you know, it's a balance. Which sometimes I, I feel the balance comes here, but then you got to make sure that it kinda, at some point comes here too. You do.
1: You do. And everything rises in that priority scale. There's things with the kids that come up that that's. It's going to take over for now, and then there's things in the business that come up, and you got to put some time into that, and there's things with patient care that come up. You, know, right. you get those emails on the weekend, and you get phone calls and texts about yeah. things that come up with patient care, and uh, somebody's kid just hurt their back, and you do yeah. to do. and uh, that's, that's part of being a PT. You know, we have a responsibility to our patients and our community, and uh, it's, it's not a nine-to-five. It's, it's as it needs to be.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's part of what makes you successful too, because unfortunately there are a lot of PTs who it's like, you know, they're looking at their clock yeah, and they're yeah. their last patient. They're like, all right, I, I got to get out of here. And yeah. But and it and it doesn't you know or or you get those PTs who are like, I'm not going to the con ed course if it's on the weekend. Right. You know, I only go if it's during the week. Yeah. And, you know, so um, I always say there's forty thousand PTs. In the country, but there's not all—not all of them are great, and that's the same for every profession. It's true, but the yeah. truth is, that's also I think part of the reason that that I've been able to be successful is that sometimes there's there's not great PTs down the road. Yeah. Now, and this obviously in your case that you are a great PT, and I've, I've experienced that. But there's also if if you're you don't have to be a Ruth Chris if there's just McDonald's everywhere around. Yeah. And so people care that you're trying your best. You're trying to help them. You'll you'll refer them out to someone else if um, right. you know if you don't feel that you can help them or you haven't been successful. But right. um, you know, b- between always striving to be better and then you yeah. know everything else, it kind of works out.
1: You're right. That's that's true with all professions that there's you know highs and lows. And um, it, it in my early career in different places that I worked, you see that too. You know, you see those people, yeah. those, those therapists that you're that you're describing. I mean, uh, part of
0: the hiring process is you, you, you've very successfully not taken any of those. Right. But, um, but I, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I've seen a few of those too, and yeah. that's one of the reasons too. I, why I love going right. to these courses on the, you know, these manual courses. You see some of these PTs, and they're just so thirsty and right. they're so great. You know, like I love being surrounded by all that. Right. right. Um so that was.
1: Now that was one of the most intriguing parts of that fellowship program I did in Functional Biomechanics was that was a, there's a series of courses in Functional Biomechanics you can take to develop your knowledge base and your skill set um, but ultimately the, the culmination of that is a 40-week fellowship, mm-hmm. it's basically a year-long program um, so if you're going to commit to this, you're committing, there's weekly work to be done and, and work to submit and papers to write and articles to read and uh, then there's uh, visits to Michigan to do the hands-on training I was just going to say, those. are they out of Michigan? Yeah, they're out of Michigan, and um, you, you do a bulk of the work online, as, as a lot of learning is these days. Uh, these podcasts and other methods mm-hmm. of delivering information are there, and, and they can teach lessons that way, and then you can read journal articles and write papers. Um, and then you can get out for three to four days of hands-on training. Uh, I do that a couple times during the 40-week program. Uh, but, like you said, you get into an environment like that, and um, as far as a collection of PETs, that group was the most um, amazing and inspiring and, and uh, empowering group that you could be around. The, not only the the dedication to the field and, and the craft of PET, um, but, again, somehow that quality of individual that they drew in, and these were hardworking, family-oriented, great values, people that you get in a room of a hundred people of, of that ilk and, and you're like, wow, man, wow this is its <laughs> it's amazing, awesome. yeah. amazing. so, uh, that's, that's another one of those uh, really fortunate experiences in getting yourself motivated to the type of PT could be or you want to be and, um, you know you're, you're kind in, in the words that you say about the practice and, and me in general but. You know, I do have the same response almost all the time. Is that for me? I don't really feel those things and those compliments. It, everything I do is stuff that I've learned from mm-hmm. from other therapists and other clinicians and researchers. So um, everything that, that we're doing in the office is is things that that we learned other places. And right, so right. Um, you know, it's really not me. It's really not yeah. <laughs> something special about yeah. me. It's it's. It's all of these people who've come before and developed these these skills and these knowledge bases and done the research and done the publication and put out the information all the time into the, into the world for us to then take, mm-hmm. uh, so that we just have to go get it and deliver it to our patients. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's nice Here hear those things, but it, you know, it's really actually not me. It's just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all these other people that we've learned from. Yeah, no, so. I
0: mean, yeah, there's there's some big shots out there who, who kind of started it all yeah. and yeah, and we learn from them. We do. we do. But um, but it's it's pretty cool. Now do you do you run into some tr- despite the knowledge you have, you still gotta have those patients sometimes where you're like, man, absolutely, absolutely. what absolutely. what am I doing wrong here? Yeah. Or first of all, is there a, a I guess it's not a part of the body that you run into, but what mm-hmm. types of people um do you and, and who do you go to? You know, yeah, when you get that. Well, it's. You know, I am lucky
1: that you, like you said, that I have other therapists in my practice who have learned from me and then gone beyond. And mm-hmm. they've, they've gone out and gained their own knowledge in addition. So I do have therapists in the office that I can rely on to ask questions or take another look. Because you get blinded, you know, you get into expected patterns based right. on patient presentations. And so sometimes you, you need a, a fresh look there. Um, but I still have, um, even in, you know, outside of the practice, my... My first boss, employer, was another great, great PT, especially in the manual therapy Mm -hmm. Um, realm. He has a private practice up in Rocky Hill, Mm -hmm. uh, not too far away, and he's someone that I can always go to and talk to. um, Being in private practice, we have similar sessions like this, where we'll get together and have a beer and talk about patient issues and new treatment approaches, new techniques that we're learning, business issues, Mm -hmm. managing a practice, so uh, you need people like that for I'm lucky that this guy, you know, hired me years and years ago and also taught me a lot when I was working for him. Uh, got me off on the right start in my career, for sure. And then, uh, is still a friend today that, that we can now uh, collaborate with and talk. Yeah. So, yeah, I still have those guys that I can go to and, um, uh, they're, they're essential. So, yeah, as you start off in your career, if this, if there's any new PTs out there listening to these things, yeah. um, you know, you need to pursue that information. Number one, you need yeah. to have mentors. Number two, definitely. And uh, you don't, you don't go out and interview for a mentor. They just sort of show up in your life if mm-hmm. you've made good choices on where to work and where to be. And, um, it sort of develops over time, and you realize this is somebody I'd really like to, uh, to keep in touch with and learn from. And they just kind of come into your life, and, and you're very blessed and fortunate to have them when they do.
0: Yeah, and I think building off of that a little bit, you know. You gotta put yourself in situations sometimes where you are gonna be around those people. So you, you know, you again, you can't just attend webinars or or, or listen to podcasts. Like that stuff helps you and it helps create more connections. But um, you know, when you Went to the Gray Institute, or mm-hmm. I'm—I uh, have my functional manual therapy from the Institute of Physical Art, mm-hmm. and that's out of Steamboat, Colorado. That's where I had that experience, mm-hmm. where I was just constantly surrounded by these thirsty yeah. clinicians, and you know, it's 10:15 on a Thursday night after treating all day, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, being in a class from 5 p.m. till till 10. And they're still staying after practicing techniques and, and asking the, the, the professor's questions. Yeah. I'm like, guys, don't you want to go to bed? We start tomorrow <laughs> at 8. Right. You know, it's still like, we still got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that's where you, when you're around those types of people, then you you have a better chance at finding those mentors. Yeah. And, and that's, I I mean, I've been given some great advice from some of those types of, I also, I would say I've got four or five people that I still, you know, turn to, whether it's, if it's an IT thing, if it's a business thing, if it's a, a yeah. manual skill set thing, if it's, you know, a runner's, I work with a lot of runners and I still have a couple people who I shoot an email to or whatever. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, and, and you have one mouth and two ears for a reason. So listening to people right. and hearing people and not. Always just dominating conversation when you're, you know, when you're out at a, a cocktail at the APTA conference or something. But right. actually, listening to people sometimes goes a long way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and you're right. You learn a lot from listening, and, and I, I learn a lot from listening to my patients, listening to other PTs, yeah, listening to other medical providers, reading other medical providers' notes. You, know, you, you see how people look at a patient and look at healthcare. And, right. Uh, the, the listening and the learning can't be overestim- overestimated, but you have to put yourself in a position to be around people that can influence you in, in the right way, and, um, you know, I had a, a student of mine who uh, would have been a great fit in our company, uh, moved to, to California, and uh, was a new grad, he was talking to me about his first job, and what should he look for, and so he described all the things that you would look for in his first job, that education focus number one, and the mentorship that you need as a new grad. And this guy was as smart as they could. He was a great great PT. Uh, new grad, but a really smart guy, a really good student, and, and was for sure going to be a, an excellent therapist. Yeah. And so he, he took a job at a place in California, said all the right things, sounded great. Um, and uh, I emailed him three months later, checking on him, see how it was going, and he left that job after two weeks. Woo! And first of all, I complimented him on that decision. It takes a lot of guts to the oh, yeah. after two weeks. Oh, yeah. It turned out, you know, he, the environment that he was stepping into uh, wasn't what he was looking for. It yeah, very cut high productivity, Yeah, uh, bonus driven, stealing each other's patience kind of model. And uh, it was really not a great fit for him. And he, he recognized it right away and right. left. Which yeah. I, I couldn't, I don't know too many people that would do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> so he went on to find, a
0: great fit. Yeah. Uh,
1: and he's been there ever since. And, um, you know, he's, he's a leader there now and, and found mentors and found good people to be around. So sometimes it takes a little little guts to be around the yeah. right people and a little bit of commitment and drive. But yeah, it's
0: for sure worth it. you got to do it. We talk about intuition in the IPA a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of following your intuition as a clinician, and, and that's one of those types of things where, yeah, you, <laughs> if, it, if it smells fishy, even though it felt right yeah. at one point, obviously he took the yeah. job, but um, you show up for a couple of days and you're like, you know, yeah. do it, follow your gut, and a lot of times it's right.
1: And there's no time that it's more important than as a new PT. Right. As a new PT, there's there's nothing that can set you off on the right foot or wrong foot. More than that first job, that first, yeah,
0: that yeah. first experience. So yeah. Got to
1: get in the right spot.
0: All right, let's play a quick game here. Sure. Favorite movie? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, we can go, we can go I last. actually
1: just had to do this for my uh, uh, project for my son, and nice. uh, we came up with It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that's movie. a good one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, favorite beer?
1: Um... I like a good brown ale. I used to right. like uh, Newcastle Brown Ale; is a good one. And uh, this beer out of Vermont, Woolaver's Brown Ale, is a good uh, one. So.
0: I love Vermont makes some good brews. Yeah, we, were, we went to Burlington uh, about a year, or yeah, about a year ago. We also went to Portland, Maine, yeah. recently. That was our more recent one. But there's some nice breweries up of that direction. Yeah, um, I have not had Woolaver's, so though. I don't think.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Um. Favorite part of the body to treat, although that's a, that's questionable because patients ask me that all the time. Yeah, you know, it's really not. I don't really have a favorite, but there's uh, definitely certain areas that sometimes. I think. I mean, it would generally probably be spine. spine yeah, exactly. Because are, are that's probably the
1: big one. You know, we see a lot of it. Number one, it's yep. it's complicated. Number two, it can have a tremendous impact on somebody's life mm-hmm. by helping them with a chronic spine problem. Um, and for me and my, my biomechanical focus everything ties into the spine and comes out of the spine and foot disorders and knee disorder and they all feed into spine troubles and um and so the the connections there that you can make mechanically uh, can have a big impact on somebody
0: yeah um what was i gonna say i had a couple more wound up (laughs) oh favorite sport to attend in person which is perfect Uh, for this time of year during covid where practically no one is attending anything baseball without question yeah, Have you okay, been to? Okay. Who's your team? The Mets, New York okay. Mets. <laughs> they got some promise right now. They do.
1: They got a nice new owner. So we're excited about Everyone. that. Everyone, uh, yeah, Mets fan is a, it's a good exercise and punishment. <laughs> Tell me good. about
0: yeah. it. I'm a DC sports fan. So we've yeah. been, we've had a good couple, hey, a, couple right. of years here, yeah. but boy, did we go for a drought before that. Yeah. Favorite sport in, on television.
1: Um. I guess, is it still baseball? You no, know, it's probably still the same. I mean, you know, I, I yeah. love the the pace of it and the the art of it. And, yeah. You know, it's an, it's an old school game. I like that.
0: I'm going to have to cut myself off for a second and say you've mentioned art and craft twice now, and I love it because PT is an art or yeah. it is a craft. It's yeah. not, even though, you know, osteopaths have rules, yeah. sometimes rules are meant to be broken. It's not always... You know, not every spine only flexes side, bend. You, know, yeah. you know, the Friat's laws are all debated, or not all, two out of three, but, you know, it's, people, PTs need to understand that working with your hands, it, you're like a carpenter with the right. body. Right, right. And that's and one of the things I love about it. Yeah, the
1: clinical exam skills are a, um, they're, a they're a craft that you can get good at. And um, I think that's, that's a big that's a big one. I, I'm a, I'm a big science guy. I think there's a lot of science behind what we do. Mm-hmm. And I hate to see us move away from the, the hard science of what we do. However, you're right. There's, um, <coughs> there's a, there's a craft to it that you have to learn and, and, a skill set that you have to keep up. Mm-hmm. And I had an experience early on where, um, and a really good orthopedic surgeon I used to work with, um, who wanted to come in and observe my physical exams with patients. Mm-hmm. He was interested in the, in the notes we would write about the biomechanics of, the patient was diagnosed with, a you know, meniscus injury. And we talked about transverse plane motion in the foot and plane motion in the hip and causing compensation in the knee and these biomechanical impacts on what we know as a, a tissue level problem in the, knee, in the meniscus tear. So, you know, we worked together for years and, and he had read a bunch of these reports and he wanted to come in and, and see some of this. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, that'd be great. So he came in one afternoon, and, and we worked together, seeing a bunch of patients and doing some clinical exam and physical exam, and uh, not only the tissue level diagnosis at the knee and, and finding that focal tissue impairment, mm-hmm. um, but also the biomechanical impacts of these different things. And we had a great conversation afterward about um, some of the the medical loss of some of those skills with the high reliance on imaging and blood work and, and these kinds of things. And, Sort of that difference between the, the physician and the surgeon. You know, sometimes the physician is that thinker guy who kind of puts all of the pieces together, right? And then the, the the technical surgeon who looks at the imaging and, and makes a, a decision about a very technical uh, approach that they're going to take. And you know, he was fascinated by by some of that skill set that you're mm-hmm. talking about, that craft that you're talking about, being able to interpret information because take the the special tests for the shoulder. You learn them all as individual tests. Right. uh, And each one points to one
0: thing. Right.
1: Uh, But when a patient comes in with shoulder pain, one of them may hurt the most, but two or three others also hurt. Right. You you have to put together what that means. Does that mean they have four things in there? Or is the nature of the test such that, while it may strain one tissue primarily, it strains others secondary Mm -hmm. and tertiary? And then, you know, you do second and tertiary tests, and what does that tell you? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that uh, algorithmic in and out kind of assimilation of data. And that's the thing we do with the residents a lot, is we we bring patients in, and the best patients are the ones for the residents who don't fit the profile perfectly. exactly. And there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, and it kind of looks like a facet joint dysfunction. It kind of looks like a disc arrangement. And some of the history isn't exactly what you would expect, and some of the special tests could be either. And you have to make a decision, and so that's that's back to that you know, kind of art side of it, where there might be a real a solid science underpinning, and there might be a real a solid test that you're looking for to get some information. But in the end, you have to really interpret and listen to your patient and apply some of that softer skill to get to a good a good diagnosis and a good treatment.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, um, do you have any? Further questions or thoughts oh, you want yeah. to throw out there? Or? No, I just I
1: uh, just really appreciate uh, the opportunity to to talk with you and, and thanks for inviting me in. And I think it's, it's great what you're doing. And, yeah. Uh, you know, PTs uh, like you find a way to get information out there to patients and other providers are really what's needed because there's I, I'm sure you see the same thing, but. Uh, so many patients come in to see us and have no idea what PT is and what we do and, right. and where we fit in the healthcare world. So yeah. I think uh, people like you who are getting information out there to masses and you know, to patients uh, in general and to other PTs specifically to, to help the profession get forward is, is very much what we need. So yeah, I applaud you for doing it. I appreciate the Definitely. opportunity to come in and happy to do it again
0: anytime you want. Cool, man. Yeah, now it's, it's just a... Uh, as, as we talked about, I love this field um, and I think, you know, I, I guess in some ways I feel like I want to pay it forward a little bit because there was, a, there was a time a few years ago where I was really listening to tons of uh, podcasts and listening to different people who have gotten to the next level and, and been there, done that, whether it's from a business standpoint or, you know, from a clinical standpoint, but it you, you have to be thirsty to learn and, and it kind of goes in different directions. But um, yeah, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and, and it's it's great having people um, down the road, or Absolutely. I mean, five minutes away that yeah. you that you trust and that you know you've heard from other people, but you've experienced firsthand, and you just you know that's what we need because unfortunately there's there's some good, there's some bad, but you need you want to surround yourself with the great ones, and that's you know that's why I'm psyched so, to have you here, and so it's been awesome chatting and. Thanks you know, way. we'll keep working through it. Absolutely. All right. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, next episode coming up soon.